0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Knights of the Pageless Library. This is a little podcast dedicated to reviewing audiobooks. I am Bo Knight, and with me as always is Ryan Knight. And today we are taking a look at Dune, uh, the audiobook version read for us by a bunch of people, but mainly Scott Brick. I'm trying to get the list of the
1: other ones. Yeah, can you see a full list? I can't even see the full list. No. Um, Scott Brick. Uh, I know Oliver Wyman's in there
0: somewhere. Yeah, but the list I'm seeing, he's not on there. I know. I noticed that, too. It's, it's a bunch of narrators. I think, like, nine or ten. I'm not seeing them all listed.
1: Right. It's and we're going <laughs> to... This will come up later, too, I'm sure. Um, and this book was written by Frank Herbert. Uh, and we are taking a look at Dune. So this was a little confusing to me at first, because Dune is the first of the Dune series, just Dune. And then there apparently is another thing called the Dune Saga, which is all of the books, including prequel books to this, um, which puts this at like the 12th book in the series. But as far as I understand, this is the original book that spawned this universe, so just be aware of that.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a lot to this series.
1: Yeah, this is some massive uh, world building. Um, And so before we get too far in, I want to say that uh, I think when we mentioned that we were covering this book last time, I had mentioned that it was an abridged version. Now, I did, and I think I didn't get that incorrect. Uh, Audible Audible states this is an unabridged version of this book. However, most of the reviews for this book which there are a lot, like 76,000, they say that this is not a true reading of the book in a way. Now, from what I can tell, it looks like people are upset because some of the parts are dramatized, which we're going to talk about that, uh, which leaves the narrator not stepping in to say like, oh, Paul said this or Leto said, because I'm assuming they're just relying on the fact that you know who the voice actor is. And that's what's telling you who is speaking. I'm not 100% sure. Um, If you do happen to know, please feel free to email us. We would love to know what exactly is going on with this audiobook. Uh, kotpl.pod at gmail.com is the easiest way to reach out to us right now. Uh, Please, though. Let me know what is exactly going on with this. Is this a true reading of the book? Is a lot of stuff left out? I, I would love to know, because I've obviously never read the physical book.
0: No, I don't think I've ever met anybody who's actually read the physical book.
1: It Probably because it's a beast. It has to be a beast of a book.
0: I mean, it's no bigger than a Game of Thrones, I'm sure.
1: No, I mean, but this one comes in at 21 hours, which is a... This is a pretty long audiobook. 21 hours is, is not like crazy long but it's pretty that's a substantial listen
0: yeah it's, it's up there for sure
1: um so for anyone who doesn't know we'll get the uh other details out of the way real quick so the original dune book was written by frank herbert in 1965 the audiobook version we are listening to looks like it was released in 2007 uh by audio renaissance um so and while we said this is narrated by a bunch of people, and I also said this is dramatization, um, that's not a hundred percent true either. I wouldn't
0: even call it a dramatization. I feel no. like it tries to be in the beginning, and then they kind of forgot that it was, and then at the end they kind of remembered again.
1: Yeah, and I have a huge problem with that. <laughs> so it doesn't bug um, me at all. Oh, it bothered me so bad, so much. And the reason it bothered me is because we open up. I I was enjoying it in the beginning, where it's like a full cast of people. Everybody had their own, you know, every character had their own narrator, which was good. And these are good narrators and these are good people reading these lines. And then, like, the next chapter comes along, those people are all gone. And it's just one guy narrating. And I actually don't even know who was that guy. Who is the main narrator?
0: I'm not sure. I don't know either.
1: So, he narrates probably 85% of it. Yeah, by himself. Right. And I I don't I actually don't know exactly who he was, the main narrator, because there's a lot of it, yeah, where he's the sole narrator. And then every like other chapter, it switches back to being like a dramatization. And I it was just so jarring to me, and I did not enjoy that at all. I would have enjoyed it more if it was one or the other, if if they had stuck to one format. It is it is
0: incredibly inconsistent. I know there's a part where like the Baron is talking and then it's the narrator voicing him and then it switches for one line to the other guy and then yeah. it goes back. And it's what, really weird. Who in the world thought that was a good idea? I, I I don't know. I think I think what happened is this this ended up being being a lot more ambitious than they thought and
1: it probably ended up costing way more money than they thought. Well, and that's kind of what it felt like. Um I also like Again, too, with the inconsistencies, like sometimes there's background sounds, sometimes there's yeah, not. Yeah,
0: and that's one thing I hated was like the music that they would like sprinkle in sometimes yeah. for, for almost seemingly no reason. Right. That's, is is would take me right out of it. And I mean, we'll get to it more when we actually like start summarizing, but I found it extremely hard to focus on what was going on when there was like just random like music in the background sometimes.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And I just, yeah, and I don't, we're kind of we're kind of getting heavy handed here you know for our opening but i this is kind of important for people to know right up front that you're even though it looks like at first glance that this is a dramatization because it says it's narrated by all these people and when you start playing the book it's going to say narrated by it's going to name everybody
0: there's like nine of them i think
1: yeah and then it'll open up and that is true and then they all go away and it's to me, that was very distracting. I, I, I don't know. I was not a big fan of that part of it. it. Well, that um, means,
0: and they use some of the voice actors more than one time for uh, doing the same voice for different characters, and it's which, really
1: confusing. Yes, exactly. And I, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that either. Um. So before we get, we're already off in the weeds. So i don't know i
0: think that was very i feel like that all of that went under narrator
1: i well i think so too actually you're right because and i think that's important information to be had up front because like i said that i think that's important for people to know going into this because i've never listened to another book that does something like that at all oh and i've listened to a lot of books so (laughs) that's saying something um uh, I, so I kind of skipped over, you know, Frank Herbert as an author, but I would say this is what he's known for is the Dune series as a whole. Um, he has a ton of books under his belt, mostly in what looks like the sci-fi fantasy type of realm. This is like his bread and butter. Yeah. And when I say he has is a lot of books. You write about
0: Dune? That's what it looks like
1: uh no he does have other books it looks like too yeah he has he actually has a considerable amount of books but they almost all to me scream like sci-fi fantasy so i think this is kind of his what he does um and i mean that's very apparent you know i mean yeah so he has over 50 titles on on audible alone which is a lot of books um some of those are just
0: dune in like different languages
1: other languages i just saw that too (laughs) yeah so i don't know if you can count those exactly but um i mean this is the first frank herbert novel i've certainly ever listened to so uh, i can't speak for any of his other work but i would say this is probably what he is known for is is dune especially dune this book and then maybe the first few in the just Dune series.
0: Yeah, at, at least like Dune Messiah and Children of Dune.
1: Yeah, exactly. The first couple books in the series. Because
0: um, I didn't even realize there were so many more.
1: Yeah, there's six books in the Dune series alone. And then I think there's like six or seven in the Dune saga up leading up to Dune. Oh, there's 11 in the Dune saga before Dune. Oh, wow. And then there's also what the
0: hell are those about?
1: And then there's also one, two, two more after Dune, see, the Dune series. Huh. Okay. And it looks like uh, Scott Brick narrates most of them, so oh, that's, that's interesting. Um. Okay. So, what's like a good Brief description of what the story is about. You got, you got something in mind?
0: Sci-fi Game of Thrones plus drugs.
1: Plus drugs. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Sci-fi Game of Thrones plus drugs. I like it. Yeah, instead that's of like a the fantasy, most
0: concise way I could put it.
1: Yeah, instead of a fantasy Game of Thrones, yeah. like Game of Thrones is, this is a sci-fi Game of Thrones. That's a very good way to put it. Uh, yeah. So a lot of uh, a lot of political struggles. A lot of uh, back a lot of and proper forth names. Yeah yeah titles very important in this um yeah that's a pretty good way to put it uh so i already dropped this but this book it does come in right at 21 hours so pretty long um it's, it's
0: up there i would say other than game of thrones this is like one of the longer books i've listened to
1: yeah this is a pretty i mean 21 hours is pretty substantial we've said it multiple times before but i think like 10 hours is good for most people so once you start pushing beyond like that 12 14 hour range you know that kind of deters some people
0: yeah i know you tell somebody like oh this book's 21 hours like jesus
1: yeah (laughs) that's almost a whole day (laughs) um so you could as always you know if you uh signed up for like an audible trial you could get this as your first free book uh or if you were to purchase this book it is uh
0: 47.93 oh dang i'm seeing it for 28.95
1: whoa where are you seeing it for 28.95
0: uh right here it says buy with one click sold and delivered by audible
1: dang well there you go so there's a range of different um (laughs) prices uh and from what i've been understanding too if you purchase uh tokens for your audible account you know you can get those for like 10 bucks a piece so then obviously you could you exchange a token for the book for like about 10 bucks so um okay now the big ones is this easy to follow as a story no i don't think so either um i think the narrating issues I had with it aside, this is still kind of hard to follow. Um, and
0: I, I I think a lot of that is just, it's hard to know what the terms mean. Sure. They throw them around from the beginning. Like, you know
1: exactly what that means. Yeah. And
0: it's, and it's really hard to follow, at least for like the first third of me of like exactly who's who and what's going on.
1: Yeah. And I think that's why I'm not like a huge sci-fi um genre fan because a lot of books this book i think is pretty mild on the sci-fi word salad but i have a hard time with sci-fi books usually for that reason they start throwing around all these made-up terms that they made up and you're supposed to understand them from the beginning and that can be very off-putting and i think this book like i caught on to it Relatively quickly, and I think this book is pretty light on the word salad stuff. But a lot of these things that Frank Herbert came up with on his own do make it kind of hard to follow. Like, what exactly we're talking about, where we're talking about, who we're talking about. So, I do agree. I think this book is a an advanced listen at best. This is uh, I would not recommend this for somebody for like their first audiobook by any means. Uh, no. <laughs> um, and so is this one easy listening would you say it's easy to listen to once i got into it yes okay but I,
0: for like the first 5 or 6 hours i was having to listen to it in like little chunks
1: sure um i i didn't enjoy listening to this one very much solely for the narrating issues and the weird sound effects and all the stuff that was just kind of distracting from the story yeah I agree. um and I'm not saying anybody, like the main narrator to the individual people, everybody did a good job. That's not the point. The point was that they needed to have picked a, a format and stuck with it. And I have no idea who signed off on not just doing that. Uh, okay. So what do you think? What's your recommendation on this one? I actually really enjoyed this
0: okay i I don't I don't think I understood it very well, Okay, but I do like like the political intrigue that's kind of happening, and I don't know, just like learning about arrakis is kind of is is I don't know I, I, I found myself kind of liking it because the story is wild. It's sure. absolutely wild. There's basically magic it seems like
1: mm-hmm. but
0: like once I kind of sort of understand everything i I kind of wanted to know like what was gonna happen.
1: Sure. Oh, yeah, I could I could see that. Um, I was pretty let down by this one, to be honest. Um, I had only ever really, like, heard of Dune. And I, like I told you, I would watched the old movie, like the 1984 movie, way back in the day. So I could remember, like, just bits and pieces of that, which we might talk about that at a later date. Um, but listening to this... Uh, Like, if you're going into this kind of like I did, I honestly thought this was going to be like more action oriented. Oh, really? Exciting. Yeah. And it's. Yeah,
0: I I came in expecting like Game of Thrones, boring, long winded. Okay. Yeah. And I think maybe because I came in with that mindset, I ended up enjoying it, especially coming right off of a Game of Thrones. It it felt like, oh, this is just space Game of Thrones. Okay
1: right and See, i was I, kind
0: of i was kind of enjoying it i'm not gonna lie to you I, yeah. I kind of enjoyed this book and i think i'm gonna listen to it again
1: this well in this it, uh, space game of thrones is a good way to put it because that's mm, i would say 90 percent of what you're getting is just like political struggles of power basically mm-hmm. and backstabbing and like how to
0: manipulate people and stuff like that yeah. and and kind of like how to set up your workers for success sure And I don't know. I I eat that shit up, dude. I don't know. (laughs) I, I, I like once I got into this, because I I think I was talking to you. I was like, yeah, I got like 14 hours left, and then I listened to like nine hours the next day, and I was like, like a smile on
1: my face the whole time. It's like, oh man, this is great, right? Huh? I, I don't know. I, I guess I like, I was expecting more because this book is like highly, highly praised by. Tons of people like this has won a lot of re- awards and mo- a lot of people will point to this as like, you know, the the pinnacle of like some sci fi stuff. Um, I just was I mean, like I thought it was good. I'm not going to say it's a bad story by any means. I guess it's just not quite what I was expecting. Um, I, I got to give I got to give Frank Herbert, though, a ton of credit because his naming convention on point oh man yeah like the names he picked for stuff and came up with for people and things oh man on point i don't know if i've ever heard better um yeah i guess i just didn't know there was gonna be so much like downtime between what they were like what was uh what was moving things. There's so much more things moving behind the scenes that you're just kind of expected to realize as you listen, than is moving in your line of vision basically. And I, I'm not going to lie to be honest. I still don't fully understand the conflict here. I really don't.
0: Oh, me neither. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't think I understand like 45% of this book, to be honest, especially like right. the first third. I was just trying to figure out names.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is hard in the beginning to figure out names. And there's a few... The
0: Benny Gesserit, the the Harkonnen, the freaking... Yeah. There's there's so many like, okay, but what does that mean?
1: Right. And it is that is tough in the beginning. Um, And I think once you start understanding it, it makes it much easier to listen to. But like I said, I just... (laughs) I, I like, and please feel free to email me and be like, you are a dumb. This is what it's about. And I'm sure there is a deep meaning here. And I think this is one of those books that people could spend their whole lives being like, this is what the book of Dune is about. And somebody else could be like, uh, no, I've studied the book of Dune for 20 years. And it's actually about this. Um, like, I think there's a lot you could interpret here as well. Um, but for the life of me, I don't fully understand the conflict, to be honest it's all about spice um,
0: melange dude
1: i know but let's so all right we're gonna pass the spoiler wall now so for anybody who's new here we're gonna go ahead and talk about what we can remember about the book at least i i know we're not gonna remember everything because 21 hours is a lot to condense down into like a one hour talk about it um so please if we left out your favorite part please email me let me know and uh maybe we'll bring it up in a later episode But for now, just be be aware, we're going to talk about the whole story. So if you don't want it spoiled for you, please go listen to it and then come back here and hear what we have to say about it. The
0: one guy who's holding out on dude spoilers this whole time.
1: He's like starting to write an email right now. He's like, oh, oh, okay, they're going to (laughs) wait. Okay, so I'm not going to lie, I'm having a hard time even remembering how this book opens what is the first thing i'm pretty sure if i had to guess it's a um oh my gosh it's it's when the harkonnen are gonna be giving up uh ownership of arrakis right to the atreides correct but i don't remember like who's talking about what or why when it's happening
0: I think it might open up with the Baron and talking to Piter.
1: Piter and Fade Ratha, right? Okay, yeah. I think so. Because, yes, yeah, 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 you're correct. Because they are planning what they're going to do once they relinquish uh, ownership of Arrakis to do the Atreides, right? Okay. So, uh, as you said, great you know, like comparison between this and Game of Thrones, which I'm sure that uh, George R. R. Martin took a lot of inspiration from this. Now that I've listened I to this, I think he did. Yeah, because this this book is all about like uh, fighting houses and fighting for like uh, like resources and things that they can use to benefit themselves. Um, except it's not on an island; it's in space over planets. <laughs> yeah um so we basically hear from the baron uh vladimir harkonnen he's talking with uh piter who is his um uh mentat. What? his mentat thank you um which i gather is like a specific class of training he's also like an assassin and he's like a uh kind of like i don't the know if Duke's... assassin is always part of it though I don't know if it is either. That's a good point. Um, I think Amtad is just of,
0: essentially like your like your scribe who know who like has like brain like like really good memory and stuff like that. And he like he's like your personal person like you come to with information and they yeah, give you more information and then they like help you figure out a plan of action.
1: Yeah, he's like a really like he's like the right hand man, also a strategist at the same yeah. time. Um. But Pyter is an assassin, right? Yeah. He's Piter like is. he's, he's a, known for he's a, it.
0: He's like a sick,
1: twisted fuck. Yeah, like really bad. Um, and so then also uh Fade Rautha is there, and that is the Baron's nephew, right? Yeah, one of them. Um, and they're discussing their plans because they this is where this is I'm not gonna lie, right away, I don't fully understand what's happening why the Harkonnen are to relinquish ownership of Arrakis to the Atreides. I, I don't...
0: I, they did it because the Emperor told them to, right? Because they're trying to lure the Atreides to freaking Arrakis to eliminate eni- eliminate them, I think. I think that's the whole point.
1: That's what the Emperor wants to do? Mm-hmm. Or is that what the Baron wants to do? That's what the
0: Emperor wants to do. Or not, maybe oh. not the Emperor, like the... The younger, or is
1: one. it the count? Yeah, okay, why that, though? <laughs> that, I,
0: I don't know, we don't get in because the Atreides seem like solid people, honestly. I don't know, but that, that's, yeah. that's why they do that, I'm pretty sure.
1: Okay, so all right, so when we when we talk about Harkonnen and Atreides, just know we're talking about pretty much the two main warring houses of this particular book, um, and the Harkonnen is led by Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. And then the Atreides are led by Duke Leto Atreides. So we'll just get that established right away. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. If I remember right, they're talking about what they're going to do. Uh, the Harkonnen are going to give up power of, of Arrakis willingly. They're going to relinquish it to the Atreides. So uh, Arrakis or Dune, Is basically a desert planet, but that has this specific resource on it known as Spice Melange. And Spice is mined on the planet, and then it is sent off-planet through the rest of the star system to other planets, because apparently this is the only place you can get this stuff.
0: It can't, yeah, it cannot be synthesized.
1: Right. So it's sent everywhere else so basically it's worth a ton of money to whoever is in control of the spice Yeah, um, but what the harkonnen's plan is is they're going to allow the atreides to take over now so is it the atreides then supposed to give up whatever planet they lived on before and move to dune Oh uh, yeah is that how it works? They are supposed to then move all their shit to, yeah, they're to Arrakis. Giving up their water planet. I can't remember what it's called. I can't remember off the top of my head either. It, it sounds like a super nice place, though, like yeah, when they talk about to be it. Yeah,
0: like paradise in the
1: solar system. <laughs> yeah, okay, that makes, that makes more sense to me then because at first I was like, but if the Atreides have two planets, then what difference does it make? But that makes more sense that they're trying to lure all of them to Dune so that they can eliminate them um so basically uh vladimir Harkonnen has this plan that one of the doctors right even though he's imperially trained is going to betray the duke leto right yeah okay i i remember all that stuff and they're like well how is the doctor going to do it because apparently if they're imperially trained they're not they are physically incapable of breaking their training but apparently piter came up with a way to break dr yui's training right yeah but i don't remember how i yeah i don't remember how either um but either way that's that's what's gonna happen they're gonna betray um especially the the nobles so the duke and his she's not his wife concubine yeah jessica and then uh their son paul um and then if I remember right, we jump over to those people. We jump over to the Atreides on their home planet, preparing to leave to go to Arrakis, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we get Paul talking with like his mother. Oh, and then Paul has to go through his little deal, right, with the uh, the mother. Um, uh, I don't Reverend think that mother. happens until they're on Arrakis, though, because she shows up later. Is that when they get to Arrakis? Okay, I thought it was before they left.
0: And it might have been, but she shows up again on Arrakis.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. She's definitely there because she is like the Reverend Mother of the Bene Gesserits, right? She's one of the highest ranked in the Bene Yes. Yeah. Okay, so before we go too far with that, so basically, Paul's mother, Jessica, is a part of this group known as the Bene Gesserits. They are specifically trained, mostly women, um, think it's all women is it all women yeah because that comes up later with paul right Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's a group and they i don't fully understand like it's super cool basically control people by the
0: way that they say things yeah I know that that's like really reductive and you kind of need to read the book to understand, but like has a lot to do with like what inflection they put on words, the cadence they put on words and like how the other person processes the information.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's super cool. Like, cool. I mean, it is really cool and I do really like it. Um, but there's a lot of different like organizations like this in this universe too. Like the Dune universe is insanely huge that's one thing about this i think that people like is it's very game of thrones in that way where you know that whole world is fleshed out this is like a universe fleshed out it's freaking crazy um so paul goes he does go through his little thing here because it's the um my gosh what's it called he puts his hand in the box i don't know
0: but they they say they're checking to see if he's human I don't I still don't understand what that means.
1: No, me neither. Not even a little bit. Um and the lady who's doing this, she also has like a needle to his throat that if he struggles with his hand in the box, she'll just poke him with it and it'll kill him like immediately. But it's poison
0: that only kills animals.
1: Right. Wait, uh yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know yeah. what that means. Right. Um I I no, no, me neither. We see one used <laughs> later and it works so i i don't know (laughs) um uh basically he goes through this test though he puts his hand in his box and the bot it starts just like burning him it hurts it's like so so much pain but she says you cannot take your hand out of the box like no matter what you can't so he goes through it he does it he succeeds and when he finishes she's like oh no other Benagesser sister took that much punishment or or has ever lasted that long while I've administered the test or whatever. So from the beginning we're seeing that Paul because he's been trained by Jessica in the Benagesser ways he's pretty special. Like he at a, a young age he's only 15, he's already able to like throw his voice and control he has super good control over his body like If he gets stressed out, he can immediately start doing, like, breathing exercises that slow his heart rate and slow his mind down, like, immediately, even though he's so young. So we get really quickly that he is not a normal, like, young kid, basically. Um, And let's see. I'm pretty sure then they, like, pack their stuff, right? And they go to Arrakis?
0: Yes. Well, don't they mention that, like, he might be the Quezek Tadarak or
1: whatever? The Quezak Tadarak, yeah. Yeah, the male version of a Truthsayer. Yeah, because he's also... He also has visions a lot, um, which is not... Like, some people seem to do it in this universe, but it's not, like, super common. Um, especially for somebody, like, so young like he is, it's really not common. Um... But basically, we get little glimpses. He's like, he has seen himself on Arrakis, and he has possibly seen himself like leading people on Arrakis. So that will come up later as well. Um, Yeah. And then the Reverend Mother mentions that because of his like powers already, he might be this Kwisatz Haderach. uh, oh, I think this is a good time to mention and ask you how you felt about the little, like, they're not necessarily chapter breaks, but where the From one the lady... Oh, um, okay. How, how did you feel about those?
0: I don't know. I don't think... I, I don't know. I feel like they were really kind of weird. I... Out of place sometimes because they talk I, random
1: shit. Yeah! Okay. So, I enjoyed them in the beginning, but then when I realized... These are all sayings, all from the Princess Irlon, and all from different books she has written. Mm-hmm. I was like, who is this person? And we we don't even know who this is yet. And they're from the beginning of the book, we're getting these little lips, And we don't find out till way later who she even is. And it's after a while, I'm not they like drove me nuts. I hated it. <laughs> um and some of them, I love how it was just like <laughs> If you touch water, your hand will be wet. From the collected sayings of Muad'Dib. I'm like, what the fuck? This, this is so stupid! <laughs> I couldn't stand him. Anyway. Uh, so, the Atreides head to Arrakis, right? And they get to Dune. And they, they mention, too, that they the Atreides set up their main like hub city in a different place, right? Than the Harkonnen had. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Yeah. Um, and the Baron, like, he took all of this into account, I guess, when he set up his like that he was gonna betray them or whatever, because he knew they probably wouldn't do that because the Atreides fully expected the Harkonnen to leave like specific spies and stuff behind on Arrakis when they left it um, so yeah they basically were like apparently the Atreides was trying to stay one step ahead of the Harkonnen which in this book everybody's trying to be one step ahead of the last guy but that guy's already like two steps ahead of them but he doesn't know that they're already one step ahead of him like it's, it's crazy <laughs> plans within plans within plans yeah um so when they get to arrakis right uh they the jessica right finds a a note in oh, like oh yeah in like the greenhouse that. thing right mm-hmm. and it's from another it though right yeah
0: it has like a specific phrase in it that she knows
1: that it's from right. Ben Gesserit. It basically just says that the room she's in is safe, but that it might be the only place that's safe, like in the whole uh, whatever they're staying in, palace, whatever it is. Um, And I want to say, shortly after that is when the thing happens in Paul's room, right?
0: Yeah, like his his bed, like part of it folds down and a hunter-seeker comes out. It's like a remote-controlled assassination tool.
1: Yeah, I picture like a flying syringe yeah. It's supposed, to st- it's supposed to stick in you and then it puts poison in you and kills you. But it has to be remote controlled so he knows somebody's steering it uh, and it fails to get him. Uh, it tries to lunge at him. Well, it tries to lunge at the door because the uh, what's-her-face, the Fremen lady comes through, right? Mm-hmm. Which we should mention that the Fremen are like the native people essentially right of dune
0: i don't know if they're native if they were put there but yeah
1: because i honestly i don't fully understand it at all because i'm pretty sure at one other point in this right they say that the there were fremen people on like a planet that was bountiful in water and they got so lazy that they just all died or they got so uh lazy is not the term. complacent yeah complacent that they were like killed off basically so i don't fully understand who the fremen are but for now just know that the fremen are people who have lived on arrakis for a long time um and they are easily noted because of their blue in blue in blue eyes that have no whites in them and that is due to the exposure to the spice um So yeah, Paul saves this lady because when she opens the door, the hunter seeker kind of goes off of motion. And because that's the first place it saw motion, they like lunge it towards the door and Paul catches it and drives it into the wall and saves her. So now she's like, Oh my gosh, you saved my life. Like I owe you so much. And uh, Paul's like, Oh, you know, whatever lady. Like he, (laughs) he's kind of funny about it, how he kind of brushes it off. But she mentions something, too, right? She says something, like, weird to him, something he's heard in, like, a vision or something, right? Yeah, but I don't remember what she says. No, I can't remember it. I just remember he does have, like, a weird interaction with her as a Fremen, and I want to say she she's one of the first Fremen that he is, like, true-blooded Fremen, right? Yeah, Be- I think so. Because he also trained with Duncan Idaho, who has kind of... Like, he has Fremen eyes, but that's just because of how much time he's spent on Arrakis, right? I
0: think so. I don't remember that about Duncan Idaho. I don't remember them mentioning him having blue eyes. Maybe.
1: No, I I might be mixing that up. Because Duncan Idaho was the one who trained him. But later on, right, they want Duncan Idaho to join the Fremen. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, So... I know I'm missing a lot of stuff, but what... Uh, we're going to have to, or we're going to be here all night. Yeah. But, so, right away, obviously, we see that when the, as soon as the Atreides get there, the plans have been set in motion to betray them, essentially, and kill the... Especially to kill, like, the Duke and uh, Jessica and Paul. Those are, like, the three main people they want dead. Um, and... If I remember right. Oh my gosh, what happens next? <coughs> Drawing a blank here.
0: I think isn't this when they go for like a helicopter ride?
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. To see how the spice is mined. Yeah. That's right. Um,
0: which I mean isn't yeah. all that eventful. They just like I guess we get a little bit of like about the Baron's character because like the the place they're rolling up on is going to get attacked by a worm and they like let them know but he like personally saves a couple of the guys like he touches down his his helicopter oh. and saves a couple of other guys
1: uh the duke yeah um yeah and this this also shows like how deeply the um like the betrayal already is right because so the harvester is supposed to harvest the spice which if they're out on open sand these worms will show up like both said which are these like monstrosity creatures that live under the sand that will essentially eat anything. That's not supposed to be on the sand.
0: Yeah. I, I, right. It's like anything creating vibrations.
1: Yeah. And not normal vibrations. Like they know when it's like just an animal or like the wind or anything like that. So if it's anything that's, that's like a, like a machine or whatever, they'll try to eat it. Um, so there's supposed to be these other ships called the carry all that will go out and pick up the harvester and take it back to safe land when a worm has been sighted. So as the Duke and Paul, and this is where Dr. Kynes is with them, right? I think so. So Kynes is supposed to be the, what do they call him? He's overseeing the, uh, the trading of hands essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, I can't not remember what they call him now. Cause I'm, dumb um but basically uh um oh my gosh uh duke leto right he's the first is he the first one or the or is paul the first one to see the worm i think it's paul i think so too because it's like a big deal right that he was able to see yeah we also
0: get that scene that like he had his suit set up the correct way and the doctor the fremen the, the fremen guy that's with them notices that
1: yeah 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 oh yeah he has his still suit on correctly right Mm -hmm. um even though nobody like helped him put it on if i remember right okay so that's right he uh and so the uh kinds is like that's really weird that this young kid is able to do all of these things and then he starts like spouting off stuff about like the prophecy right oh he will be trained in your ways or he'll already know your people's ways or something like that
0: yeah, the uh, prophecy is really I feel like the way it's spoon fed to us is so weird.
1: Yeah. Because it's
0: like you just get like bits and pieces as they come up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like somebody made it up as he was doing yeah, it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. That's
0: kind of what it felt like to me too. It's like it, it felt like they were just kind of like jamming Paul yeah, yeah, into yeah. this place.
1: I agree. Um so yeah, it's almost it's a little ham fisted, in my opinion. Uh anyways, so Paul spots the worm. And they're supposed to have the all show up and pick up the Harvester, but uh, they can't get a hold of all. So like I said, this is where we kind of figure out how deep the uh, the betrayal goes. Because after they rescue the men that they can, which they can't rescue all of them, uh, we find out that the Harvester had like set down on one or two of the crew members' orders, which they come to find out that they were like Harkonnen. So they're already trying to, like, disrupt the way the Atreides... This is, like, a few days into them being there.
0: Yeah, they're they're, they're basically going out to, like, assess what the Harkonnen had left them, right? That's, like, why yeah. they're going out.
1: Yep. Yeah, and we find out that most of the stuff... So, like, the Harkonnen had already been on Arrakis for 80 years before this, uh, mining spice and basically controlling the flow of spice to and from the rest of, like, whatever the reachable universe um and it comes up later right with the uh like the what's it called it's like the trade company or the oh god what trade is guild called? is it some kind of guild
0: it is some kind of guild but i don't remember what it's called
1: yeah but it's like a big deal basically um that the harkonnen have like run this for so long um And Leto kind of, he already kind of knows what's going on because he's like, you know, the Harkonnen have been here for so long that they could have stored up so much spice, you know, on their home world or whatever, that it wouldn't even matter if, you know, we uh, took over now anyways. Um, So,
0: I mean, I, we don't find this out now, but I think it is kind of important to mention that, like, when you take spice, you are addicted to it and you have to continually take it for the rest of your life. Yeah.
1: And you're addicted you almost immediately.
0: Yeah. You can't stop taking it or you will die.
1: Right. Um, and so, like, the people on Arrakis, pretty much anyone who lives on Arrakis, everything has spice in it because yeah. even, even just breathing in the, the, scent of spice it starts to affect your body
0: yeah Um, and i I think it's a neat detail that it tastes different to everyone
1: yeah i i think so too and it also like it's addicting in a way too because when you take it it seems to like heighten your senses basically it it Um,
0: heightens your i had to look this up it heightens your senses and it slows the aging process
1: oh okay i didn't know that Um. So uh, there's a lot of details, and I'm getting caught up on the details instead yeah, of this, I, like I, main sk- story.
0: Let's skip to like the end of this book. Of like, what happens?
1: Well, so basically, uh, at this part, right? The um, this is when Doctor Yui betrays Leto right? And but. We find out that it's like it's a, again. It's like a faint inside of a faint inside of a plan. Right. Inside. Of, inside of another dream. Inside. Of
0: <laughs> yeah, because we got a little bit before with Jessica and Doctor Leto about like how he truly hates the Harkonnen because she can she can tell by people's facial features how they feel about things, and she can just yeah. tell that they don't like him, right? Because they killed his wife or daughter. I can't remember which one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so and, basically and there's also
0: a little plot too where they're trying to like instill rebellion between between the Atreides themselves. So they like make it seem like that uh, Jessica's going to be the traitor because they don't know her lineage.
1: Right. And during this whole thing, we're also understanding that Leto his idea is to go to Arrakis and befriend the Fremen because while the Harkonnen have been there, they are like douchebags to the fremen like they treat them like shit
0: they they treat them like fucking like it like a you know like you know like two races of people treat people differently today
1: (laughs) right yeah exactly um so leto wants to go there and make uh like make peace with the fremen basically and show them that like they aren't there just to like pillage this planet They're they can work you know harmoniously with these people um But before all of that goes down uh, Dr. Yui he betrays these guys Um, and basically the only real details I remember is that Leto wakes up right with Yui like standing over him. Yeah, he he drugged him. He drugged him and then he put the tooth in his mouth right? Mm -hmm. That It contains like a extremely deadly poison that when if he bites down on the tooth, it basically explodes in his mouth and sends poison. Well, he has filling to bite down room. on it
0: and breathe it out. That's just one of the, yeah. the details I liked. That you have yeah. he has to like push it out with his own air.
1: Right. It's gonna kill him no matter what. Yeah, like it's, Leto it's- will die. But Yui is like, you're the the Baron is gonna get you and he's gonna find you. He said, so when he does, just remember the tooth. Use the tooth. Like he's putting this all in Leto's mind while he's drugged out of his mind. Um, he also drugs Paul and his mom. Right. But L- Yui is letting them escape, right? Yeah. He lets Jessica and Paul escape, even though he is supposed to be killing all of them. Like he is the traitor. Wait, they, so... they
0: don't escape right now, they they escape a little later.
1: They get caught by the Baron paul and jessica do
0: mm-hmm. they escape later when they're in the ornithopter
1: they actually meet yeah, the he, baron
0: though yeah he he interrogates them remember because she's she's bound and gagged so she can't use her power.
1: oh that's okay yep i do remember that yeah 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 that's right because oh okay you're exactly right because he sends them the two of them and three men out to kill them out in the desert yeah he's gonna that's right he's
0: gonna leave them to the worms is what he says
1: yeah 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 yeah. so
0: there's no cleanup
1: yeah because one of the three guys that's oliver wyman's voice for sure i remember that
0: That a couple times
1: yeah that was the only time where I was for sure, though. Oh, I know who that is. <laughs>
0: I think he might have been Piter, too. I have, I've, I kind of feel like it could have been him. How oh, okay.
1: Interesting. Okay. I'd have to listen again, but you, you very well could be right. And can I just mention, why
0: is Pider voice when he literally has like 17 lines? I don't understand that. Shit. I... And there are people in the book who talk way more and don't get a special voice actor.
1: I, I don't know, man it's weird i i told you that part of it the narration to me is a mess in my opinion and it's uh, not any one person's fault it's collaboratively it's a mess
0: it it feels like the first the first while they were like yeah this is working and they're like oh god this is taking forever and And then maybe that's one guy read a bunch of it and they were like wait but other people were supposed to be speaking and they're like oh oh shit you're right
1: yeah i i don't know man i just i did not like it i didn't like them switching back and forth
0: it would be fine if it was consistent, but it's yeah, not. Yeah,
1: exactly. If they the had guy stuck that does the Baron the book, is
0: great. Oh, yeah. Holy shit, that's so good.
1: Yeah. But I also don't like the fact that, like, you know, like, Scott Brick is a perfect voice for the the uh, the Duke, but then the Duke dies, mm-hmm. so then he switches to another character? I'm like, what? It's so confusing, too. <laughs> yeah, it makes it hard to understand, so... Uh, Yeah, I just didn't like that part. Um, So, yeah, spoiler alert, uh, the Duke dies. Um, Mm. (laughs) Because uh, what happens is that he, and this is, again, where it really is confusing to me because it's like, in my understanding, both houses technically are under the Emperor, but basically the Baron is like, oh, I could just kill this house and it's no big deal. So I think there has to be a part of it that the Emperor is in on. It has to be.
0: I, I think – I'm pretty sure. Isn't that kind of elucidated in the end?
1: Well, and it, it has to be elucidated. Well, elucidated, that's a great word use. um, it, you used. It it has to be apparent, though, because the Sardukar are given to the Harkonnen yeah, from the Emperor. True. Those are the Emperor's like troops that are given to House Harkonnen. But from the way I understand it, the – and I don't really know why – the – emperor can't just like send his sardaukar to kill the the atreides because then the rest of the powerful houses would be like holy shit the emperor is a douche we have to we we have to fight back against him so this way it looks just like house harkonnen betrayed house atreides and it's not nearly as big of a deal yeah,
0: and we don't really get like a bigger political picture, like if there are more than just these two houses.
1: Well, there has to be. Yeah. They talk about it because he says something about like uh when you see uh Fade Rautha when they like have the other people there watching him fight, they call them like lesser houses. So there's greater and lesser houses. So I'm assuming there's a lot of them. Oh, there's gotta be. Yeah. Uh Anyway, so back to the main story. So the Duke, he uh, bites out on the tooth while he's being uh, interrogated by the Baron and Piter, and there's a couple other dudes in there, like the the captain of his guard and some other people. Uh, And unfortunately, the Duke manages to kill everyone but the Baron.
0: Well, well, the Baron only survives, right, because he keeps his shield at full strength at all times, and he has one of the best shields in the universe.
1: Yeah, and we should also mention the Baron is a fat piece of shit who can't even walk on his own. Um, he literally has what do they call him? The uh, oh, what are they called? I can't remember the word for him. But essentially, they're things that hold him up. Like he floats. He doesn't walk. He floats because he's too fat to even walk under his own weight. And that's an amazing detail. I really like that. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> um. So, a part of the Baron's plan also is that uh, for a long time, his nephew, um, uh, the Beast, right? Um, what's his name? Uh, Sorry. <laughs> uh, Raban. Uh, Raban has been running um, uh, Dune. And Raban is a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit to the Fremen. He's a piece of shit to his own men. Nobody likes him. So the Duke's idea, too, is after he gets rid of House Atreides, he's going to put his favorite nephew, Fade Rotha, in charge of Dune. And he basically is going to paint Fade Rotha to be like this amazing person to the rest of the houses and stuff like that. Because he's going to come in, and he will basically not be a piece of shit like his brother. So... I don't even actually know if they are brothers. They don't really say that they're, they're both just his nephew. That doesn't necessarily mean they're brothers.
0: Well, yeah, but that, that could mean like one is from a concubine and one is from like the actual queen, right?
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, the, the baroness or whatever. Yeah, it would baroness. Be. You're right. Um, Sorry. but am yes, thinking like right. normal succession. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So uh, the duke tries to kill the baron. He fails. Paul and Jessica escape the dudes who were supposed to kill them but word gets back to the baron that they're dead so they think that paul and jessica are dead so they're like perfect we did it we you know we got rid of house atreides no big deal they basically start trying to take everything back over on arrakis Uh, meanwhile paul and jessica are rest well sort of rescued right they they actually managed to travel a long ways across the desert which is supposed to be really hard for people who don't live there
0: well because they don't have i can't remember the suits right so they're losing a lot of natural water
1: right they do not have still suits which we should mention real quick still suits are basically the what people (laughs) on arrakis and the fremen especially have to wear because it recycles your body's natural water uh meaning that even after like a day of like hard work you might only lose a thimble worth of water because yeah. if you didn't have the still suit, you would basically just dry up and die on Arrakis because there's hardly any water on the whole planet. Yeah.
0: And the book is kind of a lot about like just water. Yeah. It's, and water is super important to the Fremen, as it would be for anybody who grew up on a desert planet.
1: Water is basically their uh, currency, too. Yeah. I mean, they literally I trade about that, but yeah. Yeah, they trade water and things for goods because it's so important to them. Um we so Paul and Jessica end up being surrounded, right, by the Fremen. And well,
0: first they meet up with the doctor, the guy that was on the, the plane with them, right? And he helps he helps them escape
1: oh, Kynes.
0: The storm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Kynes, yeah, that's right. Um but Kynes gets killed. Yeah, right? he gets
0: captured by the Baron and tortured.
1: Yeah, and then he's left out there to die without a still suit. And then yeah. he ends up, we get a little bit of a uh, like lore-lit type thing. Um, he can hear under the sand. There's like a lot of rumbling. And he knows that basically there's about to be a spice eruption right underneath him. Um, but we don't fully understand why. We just know that there's a maker below, deep below the sand and the, it's like a
0: plant creature right the makers they talk about them a little bit but i didn't well, really understand
1: well the makers are the worms to the fremen that's what they call all the worms as a maker okay so I guess I my understand my understanding is this is a like a baby worm basically because the worms <sighs> i don't fully get it but the worms Because later on, right, they mentioned that the worms can drown. But are they turning the water into the spice? Is that what they're doing? I think like that's that's deep, deep, deep below, like in the planet.
0: Yeah, because they talk about like if there were no worms, there would be no spice.
1: Exactly. Right. But But is that also
0: understand the relationship?
1: Uh Uh-huh. And the worms like protect the spice. That's that's why they're upset when like the you know, the humans try to mine it. Uh, it could be totally off base on that but that's what i how i understood it um but basically right uh paul and jessica find themselves surrounded by fremen um and jessica gets the best of uh Stilgar, right who's that. like the leader of this group of fremen she like grabs him and holds a knife to his throat and then paul like disarms the other guy and then he like somehow scurries up in this cave like way up above him um but then cheney right she's like right there with paul so she is a fremen uh who i mean paul ends up basically like turning into like his wife right
0: well he had visions about her
1: yeah 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 like he had seen her in his in his visions so basically though <clears throat> with the way they're acting the fremen are like okay you you know we can bring you guys with us so one of the first things that happens though when they bring paul in and again uh dr kynes he had been living with the fremen for many 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 years because i can't remember did he show up with the harkonnen or something like that yeah, like he's, he
0: was like the planet surveyor from is, like the very beginning
1: ah uh, the planetologist that's planetologist. What there you go okay Jeez. yeah 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 okay um yeah so he had been there for a long 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 time and basically he decided to live amongst the fremen instead of living amongst like the harkonnen where they basically were using up as much water as they wanted and all this shit so he basically uh he had also been talking about this prophecy right of this uh of their uh quizats right yeah um and that that lends to both, right? The Bene Gesserits and the Fremen, correct? Mm-hmm. It's like one in the same, almost. So, uh, Stilgar, the chieftain, basically is like, okay, we gotta bring these people back, because he can see they're powerful in the weirding ways, is what they call them. Uh, and shortly after Paul gets there, right, he's challenged by the one dude to fight, like, immediately. Yeah, And to the death. Yeah, Paul kills this guy and then we find out a lot more about uh when somebody dies <clears throat> on arrakis uh you immediately take all their water like yes yeah. <laughs> because it's so precious you have to take all their water
0: right the flesh belongs to them but the water belongs to the tribe
1: yeah exactly um so that's pretty interesting
0: well, I mean, it makes sense. I, like, that's one of the things I found so fascinating about this book, I guess, is like the preservation of water and like how consistent it actually was about like all the steps they have to take oh, sure. to preserve the water. Like, I really, I really like that because my first thought is like, how are you going to freaking get
1: water on a desert planet? And this shit, like, the parts with the Fremen and what he's doing, I, like, I ate this stuff up. Because I think this part is, this stuff is so cool. Like how they live on this desolate planet. Because we also find out that they like any little bit of water too that they can harness from within the ground, they also are using it to like grow plants and stuff like that. So the Fremen, one of their biggest goals and one of the parts of this um, uh, prophecy is that one day there will be enough water on Arrakis. That it will look like most other planets right it'll be
0: a a, a green and lush oasis
1: like the right. words they use exactly that's part of both of these things that's what the fremen would like to see and it's also part of this prophecy that has to do with this quiz Haderach. um and so after they paul kills this guy uh they're like holy cow you know this kid is He's legit. Okay. You are part of us now. Like you can be part of the Fremen. And they ask him what he wants to be called. And he wants to be called, he says, What do you call it when a mouse is jumping, you know, from place to place? And they said, We call this Moadib. So he wants to be called. I
0: actually think he says, What do you call the mouse that jumps?
1: Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. The mouse that jumps. Yeah. So he wants to be called Moadib. And this like blows a few people's minds because Muad'Dib is kind of the name that has come up in the prophecies for who will be there like Messiah. So he wants to be called Paul Muad'Dib. And, and they also this,
0: make a big deal about, because he kills that guy and they kind of have like a eulogy where everybody has to speak and Paul speaks, but he cries, which is like a huge deal to the Fremen, right? Because he's he's giving water to the dead.
1: Yeah, he's essentially, yeah, because that's like, They they attribute it to, like, if you pour out a drink for a dead friend, like, you know, if if we poured out alcohol for a dead friend, it's similar to that because, one, yes, you're wasting something that's considered precious, but it's seen as, like, a a high amount of respect. Yeah. Um, So basically, too, from this point on, like, Paul starts almost training these people, right? Because he... The Fremen are, the way I understand it, are amazing at fighting already. Yeah, they, they're savages. Yeah. Um, but basically, Paul just shows them more ways to like um, refine their techniques. Um, and what we basically find out, too, is that the Fremen are... We find out they're amazing fighters because the Sardukar that I had mentioned before that are the Emperor's like elite troops that are showing up disguised as Harkonnen... Uh, they're like getting their ass kicked by the Fremen every yeah, time they come in contact. Place. Yeah, every time they come into contact with the Fremen, they get their ass kicked. And we get little bits and pieces because we get the Baron talking to the um. uh god damn it! We talked. We mentioned him before. Uh, the uh, the Count is that what he was? The Count or something like that? No, think, what the I, hell was he called? I think so it's like
0: the emperor's son essentially right
1: basically yeah it well the way i see it is he's like directly under the emperor as far as succession would go yeah Um, But yeah i guess it
0: doesn't need to be his son it could be his brother
1: yeah well yeah and it's just i think it's his title but it would be the title underneath emperor basically um and i for some reason can't think of his name um but we get this conversation between the baron and this dude about, oh, how many, heart, or, uh, how many Sardukar have you lost? And he says something about like, oh, well, we lost like whatever it was, you know. He tries to lie, but basically it comes up that uh, it was like 20,000. And he says, that's funny because word has gotten back that they only killed about, you know, 6,000 Fremen for that amount. And so he's like, you're losing men at almost a four to one ratio of Sardukar, who are supposedly the best fighters in the universe or something like that. So he's like, you underestimate these people so much because the Baron assumes there's not that many uh, Fremen on the planet. But the count is like, no, no, no. There's like five million Fremen on this planet.
0: Well, and (laughs) it comes up a lot too that they think part of Arrakis is completely inhospitable, but it's not. Like that's where Paul's at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is in the part of the world that the Harkonnen this whole time thought it was inhospitable that nobody could live there.
1: Right, because of the storms and other things like that. Yeah, that's actually where like a lot of, a large amount of the Fremen have been hiding. Um, And basically what the Fremen want is to be left alone. Essentially, they they just don't want people coming in there and mistreating the spice and taking the spice to sell and stuff like that, because they have like a very symbiotic relationship with the spice. And and what we come to find out is the worms. Exactly.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't realize you were going to say that. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we come to find out that like the Fremen, like everybody else, the Harkonnen and the Atreides, when they first got there, they fear the worms because they eat anything that comes on the sand. So there's
0: not much you can do to them. And they hate shields, which is like everybody's
1: biggest deal to protect themselves They use shields. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They use these like personal shields on their body or they'll put them on over whole bases or individual uh, uh, buildings or individual vehicles or whatever. But you can't do it on Arrakis because it will draw like every worm within like 5,000 miles yeah, to place. your location. Yeah. Um, so they don't use them on Arrakis. So that's also a big deal because the Fremen know how to fight people without shields. That's also probably why they kind of kick the Sardukar's ass a lot, because the Sardukar Paul brings this up all the time is people who are used to fighting with a shield on are not very good fi- with at fighting without it, usually.
0: Yeah. And I feel like the book is good about talking about those differences as Paul
1: is training in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. Um, uh, so we also find out that the Fremen uh can ride the worms they will draw worms to their location by using a thumper and it makes a very regular beat uh i like the way the narrator does it where he's like lump 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 (laughs) it's it's pretty cool so it basically makes this very regular beat that's what draws the worms because that's something not natural um and when the worm then crests the the sand the Fremen stand off to the side and they have like these hooks that they will hook into it's like segmented body parts. And then they, it allows them to climb up on top and then they can also use the hooks. Like if they climb down to the left, they can pull this uh, part back, which kind of exposes the worms like weakened, not weakened, but it's like sensitive inner skin and it doesn't want it's, inner skin exposed to the sand so it will roll to keep that side high and essentially it will turn and -hmm. they can steer them that way which is pretty freaking cool because these things are supposed to be what 500 meters or something like that like
0: yeah they're i mean they mentioned in the beginning that there are some that could consume like a whole base at once
1: yeah in their mouth yeah yeah. (laughs) yeah um one thing i one detail i did not like is when Paul goes through his little summoning of the worm oh, yeah. to he ride. it. The biggest one ever or whatever. Yeah, and nobody mentions it again. Like that is <laughs> super
0: odd because they make it, they set it up like it's this huge trial for Mohadib. And it, he just like does it and then it's, it's over. And they never yeah. talk about it again. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that.
1: No, and it like I also didn't like that Stilgar is basically like, oh, you've summoned like one of the biggest I've ever seen. And then Paul like it's on it and then like 30 seconds later everybody else is on it too because they all grab on and they climb up there and i'm like that's fine they all climbed on it but nobody's like holy shit this is the biggest worm we've ever seen now it just doesn't get brought up again so (laughs) i thought that was weird um but basically what ends up happening right is that paul is starting to gather like a lot of followers from the Fremen. And now Paul mm-hmm. wants to seek revenge, especially against Baron Harkonnen. Yeah. But he's also pretty sure that the emperor is involved in trying to eliminate House Atreides. So now he's also got his eyes set on the emperor as well. Um, and essentially what happens towards the end is the way I understand it is the emperor comes to Arrakis because the baron was supposed to have taken care of everything. And he's been telling, like, the count, who's then been telling the emperor that Paul is dead, you know, the House of Atreides is no more. But that's... Because uh, essentially two things happen at once towards the end, right? Paul and the Fremen attack the main harconan city but the harconan and the sardukar attack the southern regions where most of the or the fremen had been hiding right yeah okay so at this time uh we i need to mention a few things paul had a son with uh cheney right and his son was in the south alone because they thought they that's where he would be the safest uh, Paul also has a two-year-old sister at this point because we had about a three-year time skip in there. Uh, we should mention his sister as a two-year-old, so Aaliyah. While Jessica was pregnant with her is when she became the Reverend Mother, right? Or yeah. a Reverend Mother.
0: Yeah, and the way I understood that is she like essentially received all the memories of the Reverend m- Mothers before her. Right, and that that's how I to understood too. Daughter
1: too, while she was yeah. still in the womb, because she was pregnant with Aaliyah. Yeah, Aaliyah received all of this stuff too, which it's not supposed to happen like that. They call it so,
0: abomination.
1: Yeah, because she's like a two-year-old who basically is walking around like a full-grown adult and talking like an adult as a two-year-old. So, well, and,
0: and she talks about stuff she would have no way of knowing about.
1: Yeah. So basically, what this kind of culminates in, though, is when they attack. When the uh, Harkonnen attack them, they capture Aaliyah, which Aaliyah says she allowed herself to be captured simply well, yeah, so she, she could do this. I
0: listened to this part today. She killed, like, 18 Sardukar by herself.
1: Yeah, she's two. Yeah, we she's need two. Me, you know, she's two years old.
0: We, we should mention too, though, that the Fremen, like, even at, like, age 10 are supposed to be just as deadly as they are at, like, age 30 because they are yeah. like, trained from very young age.
1: Right, exactly. Um. And uh, Aaliyah mentions that she allowed herself to be kidnapped solely because then it sets up... Basically, the way I understood this too, right, is that the two... I didn't fully understand this part. There's two guild members there, right? Trade guild tradesmen? Yeah. And the Emperor sees one of them basically during... Because the shields go down over the whole city. That's how they know they're under attack. And if I remember right, one of them, his like uh, contact slips, and his eyes are like blue and blue and blue. Yeah. So is he a fremen or is he just addicted to spice?
0: No, he's a fremen. I took that as he's a fremen, right? Like they infiltrated somebody.
1: That makes more sense. Okay. So, and I I like. I guess
0: that could be that he's addicted to spice, but then why would he have helped them?
1: I yeah, I don't fully I don't know. I the the very end like scene right here is a little muddled oh, for me. It's
0: super confusing, honestly. I just listened to it, and I'm like, wait, what?
1: Yeah. But I feel like the
0: the last bit like with what happens to the, the, the Baron is super rushed.
1: Oh, you mean where Aliyah just kills him immediately yeah. with the freaking Gomja bar? The yeah. the the uh that's the the needle thing in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. That yeah, that Paul was put under or was tested with was the gomjabar um. yeah he tries to grab Aaliyah <laughs> and she's just like she just stabs him immediately and kills him <laughs> um yeah I-, I thought that was freaking ridiculous um and basically Paul comes in with all his Fremen and essentially tells the Emperor how it's going to be and now we meet the Emperor's daughter who We've been Irulan. hearing Princess Iralon, who wrote all these books and all this other stuff about Moadib and, and Arrakis awakening and collected sayings of Moadib and all this shit. We finally meet her for like 30 seconds, enough time for Paul to be like, I'm going to marry her because I'm going to be the next emperor. And then he basically has to tell Cheney, he's like, don't worry, I'll keep you as my concubine like like that's supposed to make her feel better <laughs> well like his mother
0: was with his father right
1: yeah kinda yeah i just thought it and that's the end of the book right
0: uh yeah I mean there's not really much more I mean they, they like they trap the emperor right and they're like you're 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 trapped to your prison planet arrakis but don't worry I'll make the planet a better place right and that's that's like the end
1: oh see okay so and i'm glad you brought up prison planet right because there is a prison planet in this um universe and the baron was thinking about making uh dune the new prison his own prison planet where he would basically send prisoner after prisoner and basically just send all these people there just to mine spice for him right that was part of his plan yeah I don't know. I know we missed a ton of details, but that's because this. Oh, book I mean, we is... skipped
0: over a bunch of like even the subplots, like with uh, the the main mentat for the Atreides. I can't remember his name.
1: The uh, old man. It's not Piter. No, 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 no Piter is the other one. Uh, is it Halleck? Gurney yeah. Halleck.
0: Yeah, the Baron takes him into his service. That's actually the reason the Emperor is there, right? Is to kill him, because he wanted the, the the Baron to kill him, but he
1: refused. To kill Halleck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so Halleck is also, like, it's like that plans within plans within plans type of thing, right? Because Gurney agrees to work for the Baron, even though the Baron puts poison, latent poison in him. And so if, if Halleck betrays him, he'll just stop giving him the antidote and he'll die. But Gurney agrees to work with the Baron specifically because he knows that way he can get close to him and basically betray him later to Paul, it's a lot it's a lot lot. like a long book it's a long book and i know we missed a ton of stuff and uh you know i didn't even mention like a lot of characters and i know that but i started out trying to cover details in the beginning and i felt like i was getting too slow and i was getting too hung up on details they'll
0: be here forever
1: (laughs) yeah so i mean it's a lot there's a lot of stuff i do like about this book i do like I like almost all the stuff to do with the Fremen. I like that they are just like a native people who are trying to like basically work with the hand they were dealt with this planet, right? And they've learned to live with this planet and all that stuff, which is really, really cool. And that these other people, the Harkonnen and whoever else comes in is basically just trying to ruin that for them. Um, I think that's a very, very strong like message overall for this book. Um but I wasn't a huge fan of like the prophecy stuff with Muad'Dib, I felt like it, like he said was
0: weird and like I Paul even mentions he's like he's like what does he say? he's like I killed I didn't even draw my knife today, but they will say I single-handedly killed 20 men.
1: yeah 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 even he knows he's like because he says basically the uh, the prophecy of Muad'Dib or the every the, everything about Muad'Dib now will be known everywhere even in like greater ways basically um, and that's how word gets back to like the baron and everybody that they have this new the fremen have been following this false god Mo'adib, or whatever they call it and they don't know that it's paul because they all have assumed paul was dead all these years so um but yeah i'll be curious to see when the new movie comes out how the new movie Goes about this. Um, I think I will be much more receptive to seeing this on screen uh, because I think it'll make a lot more sense to me. It'll be easier for me to follow because I'm pretty dumb. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: I'll, I'll probably be able to understand a little better, I hope.
1: Um, and I know there's people smarter than me out there that can translate this to like on the screen and make it much easier to follow. Um, so, we Unless you have anything else to say about no, this, I'm good. Okay. So, what we think we might do is uh, there's been two movies, uh, as far as I know. There was the 1984 version, and then there's the new one coming out this year in 2021. Uh, we might do like what we did with the Time Machine take a look at the old version of the movie, take a look at the new movie, and then uh, compare them to the book as well. So, uh, if anybody thinks that's a good idea, please feel free to let us know. If you think it's a terrible idea, please feel free to let us know you know we don't mind constructive criticism um but that i think that is the plan and i think that will be very interesting to do so yeah i'm just curious when
0: so yeah this one comes out in september so not that long
1: the new movie does mm-hmm. Oh, okay cool so that gives no, us some I'm time. just
0: kidding it comes out in october so yeah probably forget we even mentioned this anybody but yeah, we'll probably wait to watch those until both of them are released.
1: Yeah, I would say once both of them are released, maybe we can uh, we could take a look at it. And I mean, if it's going to be maybe like it a, thing... be a Halloween episode. Oh, there you go.
0: Not that this book has anything to do with horror. <laughs>
1: um. So, yeah, please. I think this one, you know, this is maybe above our heads by large margins. And we would I don't like think it's to... above our heads.
0: I think I just didn't have enough time with it. It took me almost a month to listen to it, but I feel like I would have liked to listen to it again. Sure. Just to be able to get like the details down packed.
1: Yeah. And and like I said, there's a ton of details here. And I think you could read into these till you were freaking, you know, old and gray and still not fully understand all the concepts here. I, this book is dense. It's super dense. Um, but yeah. So if anybody has anything to say about uh, Dune or anything really please feel free to contact us we would really appreciate it we uh, we enjoy hearing from people so uh,
0: yeah what book are we doing next time Ryan we decided today right
1: yeah I think we're gonna do it's called Dead Acre and it is written by come on uh, Rhett C. Bruno and Jamie Castle Ooh,
0: yeah so stay tuned for that
1: yeah look forward to more uh anime squires we are still covering uh charlotte so look forward to more of those episodes they will be coming out too and yeah got anything else bo uh no i'm good all right so with that we will catch you guys in the next one